I want to invite my awesome friend, Pastor Liz, up here. So give her a hand clap. If you're looking for me on the stage, you're not going to find me on the stage. I'm sitting in a seat just like every one of you. And while Frank called me up to the stage and said, I want to introduce my friend, and I didn't come up there, every single one of you were asking, where is she? What is she doing? Somebody do something. But see, in order for me to preach and do what God has called me to do, I have to take a step. And I have to get out of my seat in order to do what God has called me to do. See, if you're sitting in your seat right now and you come to church week in and week out and this is your position, you're just sitting in your seat knowing God has called you, knowing that God has created you for so much more, but all you do is sit and never get out of your seat. God can never fulfill his purpose that he has for you. Today I wanna to encourage you, I wanna lift your spirits and I wanna remind you that God has called you. He formed you in, his mother, in your mother's womb and he has called you for something greater but it's gonna require you to get out of your seat. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord. Thank you today that we get to be in your house today. I pray, God, that as we listen to a word from you, Father God, that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be ready to receive what it is that you have for us. God, and that you would anoint every word that comes out of my mouth to accomplish the purpose that you want it to, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good morning, church. I'm so excited to be here. Um, it's been my honor to be able to help Pastor James and Pastor Debbie during this time of need that they have. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Um, I hope you liked my little demonstration that I did there. <laughs> um, it's funny because my mom likes to tell a story that when she was, when it was her wedding day, she did the same thing to my dad. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> she made him sweat a little bit. She's, she took her time in showing up to the church and made everybody wonder, is she going to show up? <laughs> so my, my advice to you is don't do that, please. <laughs> um, let me get this going. Um, I'm so excited today to be here because my parents are actually here. My, uh, I've been had the opportunity to speak on this stage for a while, but my parents have never actually seen me preach, so it adds a little bit more butterflies here. <laughs> They're sitting there on the second row, so mom and dad, thank you for being here. I honor you today. My parents are pastors, and so I'm just excited that they're here. All right, well, today's message, I have titled today's message, Answer the Call. Um, see, like I was telling you before, God has called each and every one of us, right, to a purpose that he has because he's trying to get his will done here on the earth, and that's why he has us, right? And so lots of our callings look different. Some people are called to worship, 
right, on the stage. Some people are called to be businessmen. Some people are called to be mothers, daughters. Some people are called to be, I don't know, preachers, teachers, greeters. You know, everybody has a different call, but regardless, we are all called. And when I say this to a crowd like we are here today, some people are like, amen, yes, God has called us. Because there's people in here that are actually walking their calling out, right? People are walking in obedience to what God has called them. But I know that there's some people in here that have felt that tug of God in their heart. They know that they're called, but they're so scared. They know that maybe God has called them to something big, something unique, something special, but they're scared to step out of their seat, right? Maybe that's you here today. But then I also know that you may be sitting here today and you may be thinking, God doesn't have anything for me. Are you kidding me? Maybe you're so depressed and you're so discouraged that you think, I've made too many mistakes. Or I'm too old at this point. God can't use me. And maybe that's the situation that you're in. But I'm here to remind you today. God called you. He purposed you. He created you. He gifted you. He has positioned you to carry out his will here. The only thing is, is though, the problem with all of us, even me, we have this tendency to overthink, right? We overthink saying things like, oh, I'm afraid to step up. What are they going to think if I step up? Where do I start? What am I even going to do? Like, I don't even know what I'm good at. I don't know what my place is. And so we underact and we do absolutely nothing. Right? We think, ah, somebody else can do it. Or, oh, I'll let somebody else more gifted. Somebody with more time. Somebody that doesn't have kids. Somebody that has free time. I'll let them do it because I'm too busy. Isn't that our favorite line? I'm too busy. I'm too busy. But what I want to tell you today, sometimes I think we overcomplicate it, right? Like we think it's this big old complicated thing to answer God's call on our life, but really it's simple. Because God is so much more interested in who you are than what you're gonna do for him. I said God is more interested in who you are than what you're going to do for him. He is calling you to be set apart. He's calling you to be holy. He's l calling you to live a life worthy of his call. What I want to do today is I want to read in Ephesians 4 and 1. I want to kind of give you a background. Like Paul is in prison right here, right? And he has given his life to serve God, right? And so he's in prison and he's writing this and he says, uh, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. If you hear his words, like if I could hear him, I feel like he's desperate. Like I'm urging you, please, I'm begging you. I want you to live a life that's worthy of the call that God has put on your life. Amen. We have to live holy and set apart for him. And I was, as I was preparing for this message, I was like, who in the Bible, right? Can I say, man, they lived a life worth, worthy of their calling. They answered the call. They were obedient. They walked in step with the Lord. And the person that I came up with is David. He's one of my favorite characters. He has such an elaborate story and he went through so much. And I was like, it's David. But then I thought, I can't go up there and talk about David if I don't first talk about Saul. Okay, so, so there's a whole backstory. Okay, if you're familiar with your Bible, some of you hear Saul and it's like, oh God, Saul. You know, he, doesn't, he didn't have a very good reputation in the Bible. Saul kind of was like the bad guy, but he wasn't always the bad guy. 
Saul was a good guy at first. God chose Saul to be the first king of Israel. He was anointed. God, the same person, the same prophet that anointed David, anointed Saul. The same calling that David had, Saul had it. And it was for the same exact position, okay? And so, yeah, we have, we give Saul that bad rep, but he was called, he was anointed, he started off well. But how many of you know it's not good enough to just start well? You gotta finish well. And see, Saul, he didn't steward well, steward well like the call that God had given him. He, he didn't value his gift, like so many of us, right? We, we, God has given us a calling and we just like, oh, you know, okay, yeah, God, you've called me. That's what Saul did, he didn't value it. I want us to read in the text, um, just so that it really gives us that context. It's in 1 Samuel 13 and 13. Okay, so uh, just, so, just so you know, like Saul has been uh, anointed to be king and he made a couple of mistakes. He was disobedient and that's where we're gonna pick up. Samuel's talking to him. He says, you've done such a foolish thing. You have not kept the command that the Lord your God gave you. If you would have, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for a long time, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and he anointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then I want us to skip over to 1 Samuel 15 and 10. Here it says, then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and he has not carried out my instructions. I want you to know that that's God speaking. He said, I regret, what did he say? I regret that I have made Saul king. What happens when God regrets that he chose you? What happens? What happens when you're not living your life according to God's will? What happens when you don't live that life worthy of your calling? What happens when God sees potential in you, when he's gifted you, when he's positioned you, he's equipped you, and he believes in you, but you do nothing, you disobey God, and he regrets ever choosing you? You know how devastating that must be to God? To say, man, I believed in you. I chose you. But since you can't obey me, I have to pick somebody else to carry out my purpose and plan on this earth. What do we do? I don't know about you, but the cry for myself, for my household, for my children, for my husband, for this house, is that God would never regret choosing us. That I would wake up every day, make a decision day in and day out and say, God, I choose you. God, I submit myself to you. God, whatever you ask me to do, I will obey it. Whether it's to be on this stage, whether it's to scrub the toilets, whether it's to serve the babies, I am going to choose you so that you won't ever say, Liz, I regret that I ever chose you. I want God to look at me and say, good job you good and faithful servant. That's what I wanna hear. And so we pick up this story, right? We've got David and we've got Saul, and Saul says, Saul, I regret ever choosing you. I've gotta to go to somebody who's willing, who's able to take the, uh, say yes to the call and carry out my will. And so he goes to David, okay? And he begins to, he anoints David, the same prophet Samuel that anointed Saul, he moves on and he anoints David to be king, right? And 
That's where I kind of want to park it today, right? So if we want to be like David and not like Saul, what is it that we have to do? It said that David had a heart after God's own heart. And we hear that, right? Like we hear, oh, he had such a great heart. But what does that mean, really? Like, what does it look like in my everyday life to say, okay, God, I want to have a heart after you. What does it look like? I need, I need some practical steps in order to do that. And that's where I want to talk about today. The very first thing, if you're following along on our notes, we've got uh, notes on the app, and I believe they gave out some paper notes. Um, the first thing that we have to do to be like David is we have to be humble. We have to be humble. I know that's a hard one. I know it's not like your favorite, like, oh, I was expecting something awesome. You know, no, you need to be humble. See, right now we live in this generation where everybody wants to be seen, right? Everybody wants to be, go viral and be recognized. But the thing is, is that's not what God's called us to do. It's as simple as that. People were like, well, if I can't Instagram it, if I can't take a picture of it, if I didn't record it, then it didn't happen and I don't want it. Everyone wants, like we all want, right, for people to see our elevation. They want everybody to see our wins. We want people to see like, man, they answered the call of God in their life and God is using them. Man, did you see them? Did you see that? And when we start doing that, when we start getting the likes, when we start getting the comments, when we start, people start praising us, hey, we can get a little arrogant, right? We can start to walk different and talk different because it feels good, right? Ooh, they see me. Ooh, they notice what God's doing in my life. But that's not what God has called us to do. And you know what? It's okay if you want to go on Facebook or whatever and, and post what it is that God's doing in your life. But when you post, you better give God all the honor and glory. You better say, it was God that opened that door for me. It was God that put me in that room. It was God that made a way for me. Because so many people like the elevation, but they forget who put them there in the first place. Amen? Have you ever known someone who's like that? Like, have you ever known who maybe, maybe you knew someone and you grew up with them and they started off with a small beginning, maybe in a humble beginning, and all of a sudden they get like, you know, they get their big break, and now they won't talk to you. They won't go to the same places they used to go to. They don't eat the same. They don't dress the same. And you're like, bro, <laughs> you remember me? Like, we grew up together. I want you to think about that person right now. If nobody's coming to mind, it's probably you. <laughs> when you think of that person, doesn't it just, ugh? right? You don't, that, it doesn't give you good feelings because they're so arrogant and they're so into themselves. And the thing is, is God wants us to be humble. And David did that in the Bible. Okay. After Samuel anointed him to be king, you would think that he'd be like, Oh, I'm king. All right, cool. Where's the limo? Let's go. Vamanos. You know, no, David had to go back to being a shepherd boy. The word says, let me look. Media team, can you help me? I forgot. The word says God, that he was anointed to be king, and then he had to go back to the fields, and he went to the palace to play his instrument for the king, knowing he was going to be king. Okay? He had to serve. He had to humble himself. He could have been like, I've got the crown. I don't need to be humble. I don't need to be serving you. I don't need to be with these sheep picking up their poop or fighting foxes. I'm a king. 
but he didn't do that. He said, I'm king. Okay, not right now. Okay, let me go back to do what I was doing. And not a lot of people can do that. I looked up the word humble in, in the Webster's Dictionary, and it said, let me find it because I lost it. It said, having or showing modest or a low estimate of one's importance, not proud or arrogant. Okay, but I think if we could reword this into a biblical, into a Christian type definition, this is what I think it would say. It would say, have a low view of yourself. Give God glory for everything in your life and submit yourself to God's will in every area of your life. I want us to see David, how he did this. He had a low view of himself because God told him, hey, David, every, since I've anointed you and you have a heart after mine, I'm going to establish your kingdom for generation to generation to generation. When it was Saul, it was it. Like, right, usually there's a king and then his son is the prince and then it goes on and on. God was like, nope, not with you, Saul. It's going to be with David. Generation after generation. And this is what David said when God told him that. He said, who am I, sovereign Lord? What is my family that you have brought me this far? Do you see that? He's, he's having this low view of himself. He could have been like, thanks, God. Awesome. I love it. You know, no. He said, who am I, Lord, that you would have chosen me? The next thing, give God glory for everything. So many of us have jobs and good jobs, Right? And we forget that it's God who gives us the energy. It is God who gives us the power. It is God who opens up these doors for us, right? When we, and we have to give God glory for everything. We have to say it. We just can't like, oh yeah, God gave this to me. No, we have to say it. You have to declare it. Let's look to see what, what David said. He said, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything on heaven and earth is yours. It's yours, God. Yours is the kingdom. You are exalted as head of all. You should memorize some of these words. I know they're David's words, but let them become your words. Say, God, you're great. It says wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things, and your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to, to all. If you keep reading, just, I just encourage you, memorize some of these words, and as, you, as you're thanking him, as you wake up, even for the very breath that you breathe, wake up and say, God, I exalt you. Everything comes from you. Everything, my house, my car, my children, my family, everything, Father, is to you, God. The next thing, he, was, he submitted himself to God's will. This is part of being humble, okay? Some of us like to make our plans and just run with them, and we forget, well, God, I'll tell you later, I'm going, bye. Like, no, we have to submit to God's will in everything that we do. If you're going to make a plan, better consult God about it. If you're going to go somewhere, if you're going to serve, if you're going to do this, if you're going to do that, God, I need to talk to you first. In, in Psalm 10 and 4, it says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. I don't want that to be me. I don't want them to say, in her heart, there's no room for God. And I hope you don't either. Amen. I want to remind you that in James 4.10, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. If you want that elevation, if you want the crown, if you want the, the kingdom, humble yourself. And in due time, God will exalt you. Amen. Now, the second thing, we've got to be humble. The second thing that we have to do is we must be available and willing to serve. Like I told you, oh, that's why y'all couldn't find it, because it was on this note. I'm sorry, media team. <laughs> okay, so 
um, like I said, David was over there. He was serving King Saul as he played his instrument, as he went and he uh, was with the sheep. And the cool thing about this is, right, we know the famous story of David and Goliath, right, that he slayed the giant. But the only reason he even got to do that was because his dad asked him to take his brother's lunch. Did you know that? It wasn't just like Goliath showed up at his doorstep one day. He was like, hey, I'm here to fight you. No. David was out there uh, with the sheep, and he was with Saul in the palace. And then his dad was like, hey, I need you to go take some lunch to your brothers. And what did David say? Say, okay, dad, let me go. He could have, if, if he was like us, he probably would have been like, I'm not DoorDash. Are you kidding me? That's not me. I'm king of Israel. But what did he do? The word says, let me find it. It says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd and he loaded up and he set out just as, Dave, as Jesse directed. He said, yes, sir, whatever you need, dad, I got you. You need me to take these, this, these sandwiches? I got you. Let me go. So he was serving. And as he was serving, doing exactly what his father had asked him to do, it was then that his destiny was unlocked. He shows up with these sandwiches and he's like, who's that? What are y'all doing? Who's, who's that Goliath? And they're like, oh, well, he's been taunting us and nobody wants to fight him. And David goes, I'll do it. I'm available. I'll do it. He was available. He was willing to serve when, when he saw the need. Are you available to serve when there's a need? I wonder what you're missing out on because you refuse to serve God. See, everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody wants to kill a giant, right? But nobody wants to serve. It's really quiet in here. <laughs> See, so many people think that they're above serving. So many people think, oh, uh, uh, I don't want to go serve a church. It's my Sunday to serve. <laughs> oh, I don't know if it's COVID. I got to get COVID tested. I don't know. <laughs> and... It's hard to serve. I'm not saying it's easy. But so many people there think that they're above serving. And God is asking us, will you serve me? Will you show up? Will you show up at 730 and practice the vocals so that you can lead the church in worship? Will you serve in the nursery with crying babies and poopy diapers? <laughs> will you serve me? We have growth track, right, every, every so often, right, and we get to see people come in and out, and we have an amazing, like, system that we've got here at CLC, and I'm so proud of our worship team. I was thinking about, I was telling somebody who's interested in coming to our church, I was like, well, if you sing worship, um, you have to go through growth track, you have to go through this whole class for a month, then if you want to sing on the platform, you have to come to worship practice every single week and not not grab a microphone you have to sit for two months before you can ever make it to the stage that's the system that we have here in place 
And it's because everybody wants this, right? Everybody wants this platform. Everybody wants to hold a mic. Everybody wants to, they think that they have something to say. But can you sit and serve when nobody's watching? Can you sit and worship? in your room behind closed doors? Can you sit and pray? Can you come to Saturday morning prayer? (laughs) Amen. Karen just fell out. She fell out. (laughs) Can you serve before you get to the platform? I I want you to think about it. Like seriously, think about it for a second. CLC is amazing. What would have happened if nobody opened your door when you walked in? What if there wasn't free coffee and free donuts? What if all the kids were in here right now, just running up a storm, just running up and down, because I know mine would be the ones leading them. Like, what if we didn't have a special needs program? What if we didn't have junior high? What if nobody came up here today and sang and led us into worship? It's all because people said, yes, I'll do it. Yes, I'll serve God's house. Yes, whatever it takes, I'm there. I got you, God. And I wonder, is that your attitude today? The next thing, so we've got to be humble. We've got to be willing and available to serve. The next one is he was confident in who he was. Okay, so the story, right? We're building up in this story. He's on his way to fight Goliath. And when he says, yes, I'm going to fight Goliath, um, Saul says, okay, well, if you're going to fight Goliath, here, let me give you my armor so that you can go out there and fight him. So David puts it on. It says, then Saul dressed David in his own armor. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. It says, David fasted on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. But because he was not used to them, he said, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So he just took it all off and he went as David the shepherd boy. He didn't go as David the soldier. He didn't go as David the giant slayer. He just went as David. This is who I am. He was confident in who God had called him to be. And see, so many of us are out here walking, dressing, acting, talking like somebody that we're not even, like, that's not even us. We're like, oh, I want to be a preacher. And so we buy cool leather jackets. (laughs) TJ Maxx, baby. (laughs) Um, You go and you try to act and, and be somebody who you're not. And God's like, can you just be you? I called you. I made you. I didn't make copies. I don't want robots. I just made you to be you. Um, I asked Kiana to come up here because, see, I can stand up here and tell you, oh, yeah, be you, be confident. But when I was younger, I was more immature. And, see, um, I was a teacher. Before I was here, I used to teach at a school. And I was like, God, I I want something cool, like, I don't want to be a teacher. My husband was, is, the, is this rock and roller, right? He's got all sorts of guitars and Grammy awards and all this stuff. And I'm like, and I'm a teacher. Hmm, well, wonderful. <laughs> you know? And so I asked Kia, when I was younger, I wanted to be Kia. Kia can sing. She's cute. She's tiny. God, make me Kia. God, please. Oh. And so this is what we look like, not just me. But you guys, right? So I'm like, Kia, I want to be you. That gifting that God gave you, I want to wear it. I don't want to be me. I'm going to take, take that off and I'm going to be me. Oi, little Kia. <laughs> Mamita, help me. Ay, Dios. 
worship you. I live. God, this is who I'm going to be. I don't want to be who you called me to be. Right? Isn't this what we look like? (laughs) Give me in the camera real good. (laughs) We start to walk around acting like somebody who we're not. And there's Kia. It fits you good, girl. You look look good. Now let's just say Kia wanted to be me. And she's wearing my jacket. And God cannot use Kia because he's called her to sing, not to teach. And this is what we look like, guys. Oh, God, now I'm not able to take it off. Okay, for real, can you help me? (laughs) Oh. Yes, girl, thank you. All right. Thank you so much. And so God is asking you, just be you. Amen? Am I okay? Yes, you good? All right. The next one, humble. Be available and willing to serve. Be confident in God and who God called you to be. And the next one is respect and honor. Okay, so David's gone. He's killed Goliath. Woohoo! Go David, right? And Saul is still king, okay? David's not king yet. So Saul's there and he gets so jealous. Because people are in the crowd and they're saying, David killed 10,000 and Saul only killed 1,000. Go, David. Go, David. And Saul's still king. And he's like, oh, he's jealous. And he spends the next several years trying to take David out. He literally tried to kill him. Okay. And the really, like, David is so awesome, right? So he, David gets this opportunity. There's, Saul is in a cave. And David gets this opportunity to get him there all by himself, and this was his perfect chance to kill him, to take him out, right? And David had his men there, and I just imagined they're like, do it, do it, do it, kill him, kill him, kill him. You know, like, that's what I picture the situation like, right? And David, let's read it. It says, God, these lights. It says, so he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he's the anointed of the Lord. And with these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. See, you're walking in dangerous territory when you can't respect and honor those that God has called and put in authority. David knew that that wasn't the right move. Would he have been justified? I think so. I mean, like, this guy had a bad heart. He tried to kill him more than once. But he said, not like this. This isn't the right move. I can't kill him. That's not what's going to honor God. And not just that. He's the one God has called. He's the one that God's anointed. God's anointed me, but not yet. It's not my time yet. He's still in in his royalty or whatever. I cannot do it. And the thing is, is that so many of us have trouble with authority. People has put, you know, certain people in, in positions and in leadership over you, whether it be a life group leader, whether it be a worship leader, whether it be a children's worker, what, If God has anointed that person, then let it be. 
and if they and he's if he's anointed them then respect them honor them pray for them serve them when they encourage you honor them when they correct you honor them when they make a mistake honor them because let me tell you Saul made a mistake he made several mistakes big mistakes and he David could have been justified in in being mean or rude or killing him but he didn't do that he said no that's who God called so that's who I'm going to honor and I'm going to be obedient and so that's what I want to encourage you here today Pastor James whoever it is and not just here not just in this house when we see TV preachers, when we see other preachers, even government officials, if that's who God has called, respect them. Period. Point blank. Like, that's it. Just respect them. The last thing, the last point is we need to be repentant. Now, the story unfolds, right? David becomes king and he's doing his thing. And we, a lot of us know that. David was the giant slayer, but David was also an adulterer. He was also a murderer. That's a, that's a hard pill to swallow, right? David, David, the one who wrote Psalms, the one, we were still singing his songs today. I mean, this was years and years ago, and he wrote all of Psalms, and, and this is the, the guy that had God's own heart. He was God's beloved, but he made a mistake. He made several mistakes. He was an adulterer, he was a murderer, but the thing that made him different from Saul was that when he did make the mistake, he went straight to God and he had a repentant heart. David acknowledged that he had sinned and that he had sinned against God, right? And so let's read what David wrote. These are David's words in Psalm 51. It says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before you or before me against you and only you have I sinned and I have done what is evil in your sight. If we skip over to verse two, it says, wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me of my sin, cleanse me with his, so then verse seven, cleanse me with hyssop, I don't know how to say that, and I will be clean. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God, renew a steadfast, steadfast spirit within me. See, when you sin and you make a mistake, it's not, a, it's not enough to just feel bad about it. It's not enough to just feel remorseful or feel guilty because you messed up. You have to come to that deep, deep realization that you've sinned against God, God Almighty, all right? And that you need His forgiveness. See, we live in a generation right now where we're calling what's wrong right, and we're calling what's right wrong. Right? And people don't seem to understand the gravity of sin. And people just want forgiveness just so they say, okay, I'm forgiving God, okay, okay, blah, 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 let's go. No, you it's not just enough to ask for forgiveness, it's repent, repent. It's okay, you sin, now turn away from it and don't go back to it and say, God, you have to come to him with this broken and contrite spirit and say, God, I'm so sorry. I've sinned against you, God. You and only you, it doesn't matter who else I've offended, but I've offended you, God. And I need your forgiveness. I need your acceptance, God. Please don't turn your face from me. And that's what made David different from Saul. Saul was so into himself, he, never, he actually never admitted that he had sinned against God. He would come up with excuses, he would blame somebody else, but he never cried out to God for true forgiveness. Now, um, 
the really, my, probably my favorite part of this story is that David, you know, he was all these things. He repented from his sin and he was king. But the most amazing part is that he was part of Jesus's lineage. Jesus was born through his, like through his family. David is, Jesus is great, 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 something, right? Grandpa. See, the thing is, is when you answer the call of God that's on your life, it's not just for you. It's for generations to come. I want to serve God so well that the blessing comes through me to my children, to my children's children, and to maybe generations that I will never see, all because I said yes to God, all because I served God, all because I was humble, all because I was available and willing to serve him with all my heart. And see, this is so personal for me because you, you, you know, you may see me here on the stage, but like I told you, my parents are here. And <clears throat> my grandmother, my grandmother Lily, she, uh, God had called her to be a prayer warrior. And she said yes, and she used to pray over her children. And not to call my dad out or anything, but my dad, when he was uh, growing up, he was an alcoholic. Um, and my grandmother would pray for his salvation. God, please, I just pray for my children that they would turn to you, that they would repent of their sins. My dad tells the story that he would come home late from partying and he was so drunk, he was just kind of like crawling into the front door and he would walk in or even stumble in and he would see my grandmother praying on her knees at two, three in the morning that her children would repent. And the, God's funny like that, right? So my dad has been dating my mom since they were in middle school. And one day, somebody invites my mom to church. My mom's not a Christian, but at this point, was not a Christian. Somebody invites my mother to church, and my mom gets saved, all while she's with my dad. And um, my dad proposes, eventually proposes to my mom, and my mom says, no, I'm not going to marry you until you become a Christian, until you accept God as your Lord and Savior. As my dad's like, oh, man, you know. <laughs> And my mom told him, I don't want you to just do it just so you can marry me. I want a transformation, right? And so eventually, I say it like it happened so quickly, but this happened over the, the span of 10 years. I'm going to put a pause right there. If you're a praying mother, don't give up. Amen. If you're a praying spouse, don't give up. Amen? So eventually... So my dad, okay, let me tell you this part of the story, okay? Um, my mom, they're dating, right? And my mom's going to church, but my dad's such a jealous boyfriend that he's like, if you're going to go to church, I'm going to go with you, but I'm not going to get off. I'm going to park the car and I'm going to wait for you in the parking lot, right? <laughs> and so my mom would go in and she would say, come on in, come on, come on. No, I'm not going to go in. And my dad, my dad tells the story. This is a true story. My dad would stay smoking, doing his thing in the car, in the church parking lot. Dad, come on now. <laughs> and he would wait for my mom. This goes on for, for a while. For a while, my mom's like, come on. No, no, no. So one day, my Dad comes in. He goes, fine, I'll go in. But I'm going to sit in the last row. Don't ask me to do nothing. Don't ask me to talk to nobody because I'm just coming just to make you happy, right? In that service, y'all, the Holy Spirit took over him. My dad was saved. And not just he accepted the Lord as Jesus as a Savior, and he came to church, and it was over. Eventually, they get married because, yeah, now he can get married, right? <laughs> uh, he got married. Uh, they got married. 
my parents start serving in this in a church, right? They're ushers, they're Bible study leaders, and they're serving God's house and God's purpose. And eventually one day, God calls my dad to preach. And he becomes a pastor. And we started, I remember I was a kid, we started having church in our living room. And it was just like our family, right? It was like my tios, my tias, they would bring menudo and like we would, you know, have church and it was awesome. Eventually it grew out of our living room and into a garage. And we're having church in a garage. And then eventually they build a, a, a church. Like literally, I, this is how I grew up. We built a church together, literally, uh, piece by piece by piece. And now you see me here standing before you. And it is all because one person said yes to the call of God, that now it is generational. And instead of generational curses of maybe alcoholism being passed down through our bloodline, it's the favor of God that's on our life. It is God's blessings flowing generation through generation through generation. And my prayer is that one day my children, it may not have to be this stage, but they would be serving God and being obedient to God. And I may not not ever see it with my eyes, but I pray that God's blessings would flow generation to generation to generation. You can stand to your feet. And my question is, is do you want that? Do you want to be a person who is just in your seat, so to speak, and never answer the call of God on your life? Or do you want to be that person that says, this is it, this is where I draw the line. God, I say yes to you today. God, whatever it is that you're calling me to do, I say yes. Where you surrender daily and you say, God, I don't know what you have for me, but whatever it is, God, I say yes. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, I just want to invite you, raise your hand. Raise your hand right now all over the building. Just raise your hand and say, God, I surrender. God, I want to be this person, God. Just surrender right now to God in your own words. Lord, we come before you this morning, God, and we just thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, that you call each and every one of us, God. Lord, we thank you that it doesn't matter what mistakes we've made. It doesn't matter what we've done, God. You see our heart, God. God, we come today with a repentant heart, God, and we just ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins, Father God. Whatever mess-ups, whatever mistakes we have made, God, we surrender them right now to you, God, and we declare that we need your forgiveness in our life. We need you, God. Lord, today, God, we make a commitment to you, Lord, that we would serve you all the days of our life, God. Lord, we declare, Lord, that for our house, CLC's house, God, that we will serve you. We will give it 100%. We will be humble. We will be available and willing to serve you at all costs, God, whatever it takes, God. We surrender it to you this morning, God. God, we pray that open doors would would begin to open, God. We pray that people would begin to live their life every day, God, and that they would see you in their everyday life, God, that they would see your fingerprint in everything, God. Lord, I pray and I prophesy and I declare over this house that 
the teachers, that book writers, authors, worship leaders would come out of this house because we have decided to be obedient unto you, Father God. And we give you, God, all the honor and all the glory, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give God a hand clap this morning. I want you to go out this week. I want you to serve him. I want you to ask God, God, what is it that I can do to serve in any way or capacity? Let me put this little plug in next week's Easter. We need your help in order to make Easter happen. If you're able and willing to serve, sign up on our app. I want you to go home, serve your husband today, serve your wife today, serve your children today, and that God's love would be evident in your life. Amen. I pray you have a champion week. Thank you so much for being here.